Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganese, coming to you a little bit later today on Tuesday rather than Monday in order to allow Nima to return from his trip to to Milan where mm. he uh, he was watching the Milan derby. I'm sure he's in a very, very good mood today. Although having listened to some of his voice messages he sent me yesterday, I think he's probably... Uh, a little bit uh, hanging and uh, a little bit tired. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't mind that. Um, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about, um, uh, obviously, the derby. Um, many of you will have listened, uh, our patrons will have listened to my um, Snap post, post-match uh, podcast I did on Sunday evening um, talking about uh, the derby. Um, so if you haven't listened to that, do check that out. Um, what we'll do today is we'll just take that on uh, and we'll... We'll carry on discussing the fallout from from that game, um, all the winners and losers, the, the key takeaways, and um, particularly where Milan and Stefano Pioli go from here after yet another loss. Uh, we'll also review all the other big talking points from the last match day with with Napoli, of course, winning yet again, uh, and, a, and a couple of others non-match uh, day related topics, including Zaniolo, um, moving to to Turkey, to Galatasaray. So we'll we'll talk about that as well. Okay, let's get into it. Right, so the Milan derby, um, I think there's only one place to start and that's uh, Nima. Tell us all about your your trip (laughs) to Milan and what you, well, don't tell us everything you got up to. We don't want to know everything. (laughs) Tell us uh, stuff that you're allowed to put on air that you got up to. Yeah, Um, no, so I mean, I I hadn't been in Milan for for at least four or five years um, and I hadn't met friends and I've made lots of new friends and colleagues through through the years. So um, it was pretty much just kind of a, a trip to reignite a few relationships, meet new, you know, meet people that I've only ever spoken to on Twitter and WhatsApp, uh, and 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 um, also to uh, to go there with uh, two friends from uni. We always spoke about uh, going to the Milan derby together, and we did finally. Um, uh, we, uh, you know, we'd been to. It was it's quite funny because when we went, we I went to because uh, Jason is also one of my patrons. He he. Um, he uh, he's a West Ham fan, and we went to before the Berlin got torn down. Uh, we saw West Ham against Ever- Everton, and Lukaku scored uh, in that game. So it was that long ago, um, and so we we finally got to do this again. And Lukaku scored, but for some reason it was disallowed. It shouldn't have been, but um, no, it was it was a good, it was a really good trip. It was it was really nice. I hadn't been there. I mean, I love Milan, especially during Milan Fashion Week. Uh, it's, it's it really is the place to be. Uh, during during um, during the you know during fashion week and it's it was really really nice um it, the city really lives up and the weather for once was really nice it was sunny and not the misty rainy cloudy cold thing that you would expect um and there's so much to see there from navigli to to Brera, to Duomo, to San Siro, to, you know, my favorite spot in Milan, which is Roberto Cavalli's really kitschy restaurant nightclub. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, right it's <laughs> yeah, no, it really is. I mean, pink neon lights and black, synthetic black, white zebra and tiger tablecloths yeah. with, with, Really like good music, and then as the night goes on, great cocktails, and then as the night goes on, it becomes a nightclub. Every time someone orders a bottle of, or I don't know, or something for five hundred euros, a bottle of champagne or two bottles of vodka or whatever it is, they, 
they play the um you know that scene in Rocky One where he's running up the the steps up the stairs yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the classic scene yeah <laughs> um and it, it was it's a really good night out um and of course Saturday Milan Fashion Week is is that's like the high end when you know when everything ends so it's basically lots of uh, very very good looking people who met, who don't who whose metabolism is very high and 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 um <laughs> yeah no it's 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 a beautiful city it's a wonderful city and and I love when they put the Milan derby around that and it, it really is a smart thing to do because it really Milan shows itself off from its most beautiful aspect mm. and you met Simone and Zaghi as well yes i did um <clears throat> on the I was on. I was. I just had lunch with uh, our good friend Gianluigi Longari, and I was on my way to meet another good friend of ours, Adriano Del Monte, where he lives in Milan, and uh, for coffee. And and so I just ran into Simone, yeah. And um, I, uh, you know, he was in a obviously, understandably, in a fantastic mood. Uh, he's all smiles, and I just said, um, you know, hi, Mister, can I have a photo? And he said, of course you can. And then I said, thank you for last night, great win. And he said, you're welcome, and thank you. And I said, well, now, now you got now bring us the Champions League trophy. And he laughed <laughs> and he said, I'll, I'll, I'll do, you know, we'll, we'll hope, let's hope so, let's hope so. Yeah. Um, so no, he <laughs> was in enough. a fantastic. <laughs> yeah, no, he was in he was in a very good mood, and he was happy, and he was uh, incredibly well dressed. Um, that that jacket, that that scarf and and coat that he was wearing is just one of the, some of the most one of the most elegant coats I've ever seen. Um, he was there with his kids, I think, um, and his wife, and they were all in a fantastic mood. So no, it was all great, and I was re- it was really kind of friends I know at Inter uh, who let me in, you know, gave me a guided tour, a private guided tour of the new HQ because I've never been to Inter's new HQ. I've only ever been to the old one by Corso Vittorio Emanuele, by the Duomo. Um, so I'd been in the old trophy room a couple of times and in the, in the old offices before. Now, obviously, it's it's a completely different <clears throat> organization. It's a much bigger organization. It's much more corporate. Um, and it's huge. Uh, and at the very top, of course, they've got this, you know, the, 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 this, the roof, which is, um, you know, where you've got a view over all of Milan. So um, yeah, no, it was it was really really nice. It was nice to see that. It was really nice to see that. Hmm. And of course, you were at the match itself, and you watched Inter beat uh, Milan. Um, I, I can't believe I'm saying it was only one nil. Um, yeah, I keep thinking it must have been more than one nil. I'm thinking back. Now. Yeah, I'm thinking it was only one nil. How was it only one nil? Um, so yeah, I mean, like I said before, everybody would have listened to my to my uh, to my my post match. So I want to f- this to focus more on you and get your mm. kind of key takeaways from the match, both just from a general football match point of view, but also mm. from kind of stuff, you know, that being at the game, you, you don't always get to see, uh, you know, if you're watching it on TV. Um, so, I mean, it was a completely dominant interwin, right? Well, yeah, in the first half, for sure. Um, it really felt like, and I was getting frustrated because I felt like the more chances, they, the more possession they had and the more control they had, and they didn't break the deadlock. It kind of reminded me of the derby, which ultimately cost them the Serie A title last year, um, where they were one 0 up and dominated, but couldn't, you know, kill kill the game off. Um, they they created quite a bit, and it looked really, it looked they looked really in control. But for me, more than anything, 
like when I when I woke up that day and I saw that Milan were going to play a three five two, well, I've you know got you or everyone who listens to this pod knows that I don't think Milan can play a three five two. Not with this, they don't have the squad for it. And Stefano Pioli certainly isn't a coach who can play a three five two. I've never really thought he's he's a three five two coach, even though I know he did it at Lazio and got them fourth. Um, but that's not really how that's not the kind of coach he is, and I don't think Milan have the players for it. And Milan literally had nothing. They they were so poor in the first half. They, I mean, the, the simplest of passes, the simplest of movements, the simplest of link-ups, they just couldn't do it. They just literally could not do it. They were, they looked so rusty. They just didn't look like they, the players knew where they were going, what they were doing. Um, uh, I thought benching Leao was completely bizarre. Um, and and so did everyone else, and and everyone looking was were just thinking, what is he? What's going on? I think I read, I read the day after that Arigosaki said that it was like Inter in Milan fielded looked like they fielded their Primavera team, um, and it was the, that's the kind of vibe you got. But of course, when you're only one 0 up, and then you go into the second half, um, you know he makes changes. He brings on Leao. He brings on a Salah makers. He moves to a four three one two centralizing Leao and then all of a sudden Inter struggle are struggling to keep up because of, obviously they're tired their midfield has outrun so long and they're only one goal up so there was a little bit of a struggle there and then finally uh, and then when when Simone brings on Gorsens, Brozovic and Lukaku it feels like okay well actually now we survived that difficult period now we're going to bring on players who can stabilize this and and Brozovic did look a bit rusty but him, him and Chalanoglu and Barella, I mean, I, I do, unfortunately for Inter fans, I think from an Inter perspective, I think it's going to be the last six months we see them together. I think Brozovic is leaving in the summer. But um, they are, This it's it's a good midfield. It's such a good midfield. It has really has everything. And Barella, you talk about him being, you know, fantastic player, but I mean, he's a tutocampista. He's everywhere. He was everywhere and did everything. And now he's developing this kind of telepathic communication with the other midfielders where he's doing and, and the rest of his teammate where he's doing these back heels and these flicks and he's really like comfortable in his body. And it's just he's just such a joy to watch. Um and and Milan Skriniar, um, I mean, obviously, he did an interview with the Curva. They didn't publish verbatim what he said, but they obviously reported what he said that Inter told him in the summer that they were going to sell him. He didn't want to leave. He had to find a new club. He, you know, he claimed, according to to the Curva, Skriniar told them that he wanted, he even offered to raise, lower his wage demands and so on. But the most important thing of all of that was to see how nobody booed Skriniar. And Skriniar, when you watch him on the on the pitch, there, I am going to miss him so much. He is such a leader on the pitch, which you don't see on TV. You, he he orders he, he he really rallies the troops he orders people up he orders people down he tells them he himself takes takes a step up when he needs to he's going to be severely missed um at this inter when he leaves in the summer but you know enjoy them while you can because Brozovic and Barella and Chalanoglu together there it's it's going to be you know it's it's it was really nice to see and Lautaro of course he is now the symbol of this Inter. He is the captain. He plays like a captain. He behaves like a captain. He's really taken this, you know, armband situation on and taken it to a different level. Um, so, no, it's it's going to be, I mean, Inter aren't going to win the Serie A title. They kind of threw that away in the, in the opening 10 games of the season. 
but they will. I think they will finish second. And I do think that the Champions League is where it has to be. The focus has to yeah. be there. Get to a quarter final, and uh, we'll see what they can do. In, in and the, he stands them in good stead as well um, for for that quarter final or for that last sixteen. But in order to get to the quarter final, that you know, again, we said it last week or after the Super how you know Milan's form, performances, and their results in the big games against the big teams has been so impressive uh, in recent months. And this was just another example of that. You know, they've now beaten Milan convincingly twice in the last few weeks and you know Napoli as well in the, in 2023 that's three mm. big wins in a row yeah. in 2023 and, and impressive wins as well like there wasn't yeah. they deservedly won and dominated every single one of those games yeah. um and it's not even close and so they deservedly wholeheartedly deserve to win every single one of those games and interestingly enough they didn't concede a single goal in any of those games yeah, um, yeah, which is right, uh, yeah. which is uh, which is also uh, an interesting uh, fact. No, but I mean, for me, and they're in great form as well going into the Champions League uh, knockouts as well. I mean, you know, I think Lukaku. I was going to get to that. Lukaku, he is starting to look like himself. He looks. He's looked more alive in the last week and a half than he has in eighteen months. And I think one of the things that you noticed, and you know, I remember remarking on this after the Atalanta game. Inter are using him correctly as well. They're playing the ball at his feet when his back is against the wall, against the goal, and no one can come near him. When you play the ball in the air and loft it to him, he struggles to hold it down. But if you play it at his feet when his back is against the wall, when his back is against the the goal, and the oppositions are trying to get round, they don't get near him. I think Kalulu three times tried to like push, kick, shove, couldn't get near him. Lukaku just. Pushed his up, pushed, it, held his arm out, and it looked like you know, like one of those things when you were holding a child at, like a child's head at arm's distance, and they're like pushing away and kicking, and they can't reach you. Like that's how it looked like at times. He's so physically strong, and he's actually a decent crosser of the of the ball. I I really liked when he drifts out to the right or the left and links up. I think that is something that could could Inter could could really benefit from in, in the Champions League and in the Serie A as well. I think now. It's so important for Jeko, uh, sorry, for Simone to have both Jeko and Lukaku. They offer him so much different, so many different tactical options. Uh, and with Lautaro, who pretty much is the focal point of Inter's attack now, that's a good place to be in for Inter. It's a shame because it feels like Inter, I'm not saying they could have won the Serie A, but they could have given Napoli a bit more run for their money if they had had a fit Lukaku from the start of the season like he is looking to do now. Um, because also, I mean, they they dropped, they lost too many games at the start. Because if you actually look at their form in the lot, like I said, in the last eleven games, they've won nine, drawn one, lost one. I mean, that mm. is that's Scudetto winning form based yeah, on those is. eleven games. But obviously, mm. the, the the Serie A season isn't played on the last eleven games; it's played on the, the whole season. And and they've dropped way too many points in the start of the season. Yeah. They lost so many games at the start. But you know, in the last eleven games, they have matched Napoli. In the, in the last they really matches. have. And they the problem is well. that Napoli aren't. Yeah. Napoli have been fantastic all season. They just yeah. don't drop points. Yeah. Um, they they just you know they can. It, it, it will take a choke. We'll come to Napoli in a bit, but I think that if there is one team that can at least cut the gap and ask, you know, give Napoli something to think about, um, it is into no, no one else in Serie A is going to do so, uh, and certainly certainly Milan. Are not going to do so, and, and that's you know I, I want to discuss this at depth in depth today, and that is obviously again we I know we discussed it last week, but now it becomes 
even more of a crisis, and, and that is the the future of, of of Stefano Pioli. Because you know, it is the question: should Milan should Milan sack him? I know we discussed this at length last week, but you know, we're a week on now, and they've just they've just been beaten again convincingly. And I know it was only a one nil defeat, but. In many ways, I think this performance was even worse than any of the other performances we've seen, even worse than the 4-0 against Lazio and the 5-2 against Sassuolo. And the reason I say that is because Milan just just submitted in this game from the from the first whistle. They they just they had no game. They, they as I think Arrigo Saki said it in an interview yesterday that they basically completely betrayed their identity and 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 everything about them um, to to just basically just turn up and put 10 men behind the ball playing catanacho and they were just asking they're just waiting to lose they they were doing they couldn't even barely get out of their area let alone their half in the first half uh, and in the second half they didn't really do much better they didn't create a single chance in the game um, and you know inter over 80% possession for most of the first half. Mm. Milan, I think, didn't have a single <clears> shot until just before the, the hour mark when Giroud headed it just over the bar. And the only single chance that Milan had in the entire game, actual chance, was when uh, Liao went on a counter-attack uh, after an, after an Inter mistake, an Inter attacking, and then they passed it to Giroud and it was an excellent chance, but Giroud miscontrolled it, so didn't even didn't even get a shot in the end. Yeah, uh, that I was the only that. chance they that had. That was Acerbi's, uh, Acerbi uh, did, a, did a tackle there, who, who was really good, Acerbi, but he's yeah. doing, he does one thing that drove me insane and he keeps doing it time and time again and he seems to think he's Lucio. He goes on these marauding runs and the problem is he's not Lucio and he's old and so instead when he goes on these runs he stands there panting for air like a old age pensioner and it looks absolutely ho- embarrassingly awful and Inter will... Are, are two men are at least one man down in defense and that's something that he needs to stop doing that was incredibly frustrating to watch yeah uh, on, on, when you were there but look no, I, thought, I it, thought he was good i thought i thought, I thought yeah he was good. but for I me chalanoglu if from from from, from 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 i mean watching chalanoglu what a player he is i mean yeah he yeah, no, what he was, a development that simon inzaghi has done with this guy he was unplayable uh, yeah, his, again. Delivery, his delivery is magnificent. His passing, but it's not I mean, just that. It's it. the passing, the movement, the creativity, the vision. Inter have really turned. They, they've really. I mean, Simone Inzaghi has really turned him into something that I never thought, not once dreamt that he could ever become. Well, no, and that's why they haven't missed Brozovic at all during this during not this at all, long run. not um, at all. I mean, bringing it back to Milan, bringing it back to Milan. I just think that with with Pioli, the reason why I'm I'm now almost ready to say that I think they should yeah. get rid of him. Is Me too. he's just making really just illogical. He looks desperate. Decisions. He looks yeah. desperate. He looks that's desperate. the thing. I mean, when a coach looks desperate, and that's what I felt with a three-five-two, he's panicking. Nothing's working, and he can't get into the players' heads, it seems. And so he panics. And that's what that three-five-two was. It was panic. It was let's not they went into the derby essentially saying, let's not lose with a lot of goals. Exactly. That's my exact point. And that is that that you can't do that as the champ as the reigning cha- Serie A champions and and again this it's unbelievable how this Milan were dominating and coasting two 0 up against Iroma with ten fifteen minutes left two set pieces poor defending later and it's complete freefall and Pioli now looks more completely clueless as to what he's 
what he wants to do or what he needs to do to stop this than at any other point uh, since he joined Milan. This is how Pioli looks before he gets the sack at Inter, Fiorentina, at Lazio. This is how it looks. And... I, I think that the I think three the decisions fight- in this is what makes you lose lose the, the dressing room and lose the fan base. Yeah, because that this this is this was this was the lose the fan base moment. This was exactly because, because we everybody agreed that he had to change that he, he had to change formation. I said four three uh, three. What four, are you three, doing? Three, just put an extra man in the midfield. Yeah. If you want to go more compact? Go go extra man in midfield. Yeah, um, Saki exactly. said the same thing yesterday. And I always I very rarely disagree with Saki when he's talking about tactics, um, and he said go. Go to each of they should have gone to a three, three four three three as well, and the, and the, the reason that Saki gave and it was spot on, and that is if you go to a four three three, you can you can be more compact, you can have that extra man midfield, and you can tighten the ship up a little bit. Obviously, they've been very leaky recently with the goals and everything, but at the same time, you're not betraying your identity. You're still going to be positive. You can you can still be positive with a four three three with this three five two. They were basically just, they just went Allegri ball. They just went 10 men in defence and literally... They didn't do Allegri ball. This was, let's put 11 players out there and try not to lose 5-0. Yeah. I mean, there was I mean, no, there was, there was, nothing. Was just there was nothing. It was completely passive. They couldn't... And the players looked confused as well. They didn't well, know what they, they were are. doing. And I mean, Sandro this is why Tom, it doesn't make I'm, sense, Nima. You go 3-5-2, okay, fine. I don't agree with it. I don't think, I like you, I don't think they have the players to do it. I think it's desperate. Mm, I really but don't think But to do it have. in a game against a team that's played 3-5-2 for four years and knows it inside out, you go like yeah. for like. Usually, if you go like for like in terms of system, in terms of formation, like yeah. for like... Generally, the team that wins is is the team that knows the, knows system, the system better, system or and yeah. and or has the better players. And I think in this case, or or the players in better form. And in this case, uh, it's inter inter it's inter in every single <laughs> category. Well, of course it is. They played it for since since um, what's his name since Conte came. Yeah. Um. And and for me, it's I, I, when after this game, I was like actually thinking, okay, well. Maybe it's not a bad idea if they get rid of Pioli because to me this is this is desperation. It reeks of desperation. Um, and desperation, but there's no logic behind it, Nima. That's that's well, that's the, what I'm that's saying. Desperation has we no. We all logic get desperate. There's it. always desperate times, and you have to make a decision. You have to make big calls. But there was no logic behind this because even if you even go in the three five two, you're going to play a counter attacking game. If you if you're going to sit back, which is what they did, they sat back. Then you want players on the counter attack. To, to be able to, to do something on the counter-attack, right? So what do you do? Yeah. What does Pioli play, do? Didn't play, play he drops Rafael Leal, the, the, probably the yeah. most, de- well, definitely the most devastating counter-attacking player in, in the whole yeah. league. He drops him and he puts in, and this was bizarre, he puts obviously, well, Giroud, okay, you're going to play Giroud, you can't drop Giroud, uh, but he's not suited to that style of play. But you play Origi, right, who, who had played 45 minutes of football since November, hadn't started a game since November, had played two substitute appearances in in um, in three months and a twenty minute appearance and twenty five minute appearance, horribly out for him. And you start him. Of course, he's not going to be fit or sharp enough to start to start a game. And and to, to you know, it, it 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 didn't make any sense. And then you had Messias playing at centre midfield for the first time in his career. I mean, what the hell is that all about? It was bizarre. It was completely bizarre. And what I mean by that is exactly that: desperate. It was panicked. It was desperate. There's no logic when you do that. Um, and uh, no, look, he's completely out of ideas, and it feels to me that he was just trying to stop a complete embarrassment of that on that night. Um, and the thing about it, Nima, also as you would have seen being at the match, is 
at half time, he well, he made some substitutions first of all at half time. So I mean, the Messias, he he, he obviously Messias at centre midfield failed because he came off at half time. But then after ten minutes into the second half, they then changed formation from the three five two and went to a four two three one. After which, Milan improved. I mean, they weren't great, but they they you know it wasn't just ten men in defence. Then there was a little bit more. There was structure. They understood the formation because they didn't have a clue about any of the movements or the or the, or the, or the you know playing the three five two before then. They went to a four two three one and they finished the game. Okay, they didn't really create much apart from that Giroud miscontrol. But you know it was much better with the four two three one. The problem is now where the where do Milan go from here? From from what I've read and I think from what Pioli kind of hinted at is that they're going to stick with the three five two. Well, that doesn't make any sense because the, well, the, the, I think, the, six, the 55 minutes that they used the 3-5-2 the in this game was a total disaster. It was only after the, they got... No, the I, think, I, I think, no, I, I disagree with that. I think when they when they brought when he brought on Salamakers and Leao and he switched to a 3-4-1-2, it actually looked better. Uh, I think the key... I understand what what I'm critical of is why didn't he do that in the to, to begin with? Because that makes more sense because I really think that the key out of this is to centralize Leao. I think the the left wing of Theo Leao, it's been found out and teams know how to how to neutralize them. I think the only way to move forward is to centralize Leao a bit more central, to move him more in the middle and have him cut in and drive the ball forward. Because I think that is where the, his future lies. I think that's where he will, and when he learns to score more from that position, I think that's where he will become the Henri that you always say that he has the position to be because it does look, you know, the, the fact that his style reminds, reminds you a lot of Henri and I really think that I agree with that. I think that's where he needs to go. But I don't think the 3 4 one, two is, is, where, is what they should be doing. I really think it should be a 4-3-3 or a 4-3-2-1. I actually, I was scared they was going to play a 4-3-2-1 because if he plays a 4-3-2-1 and has Leao a bit more centralised than the Christmas tree formation behind Giroud, I think that 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 would have I think that would have caused into more trouble trouble. I think they would have made they would have Fine, been much I'm more compact. That, just not the three five two, not no, no. I, I understand why he's trying to do that, and the reason he is is he, he kind of started against Torino in the Coppa, didn't they? When they lost, and he's played a three five two because he was, you know, he's thinking, well, I'm going to play Antonio Conte in a couple of weeks, and you know, who else to train on better than to do that against Yuri Inzaghi? The problem with that is is that he doesn't have the players to it, to do it. He has, doesn't have the midfield to understand what needs to be done. And he certainly has no wing-backs. You can't play 3-5-2 or 3-4-2-1 or however you want to say, 3-4-1-2, whatever, if you don't have wing-backs. Teo is not a wing-back. Teo is a, is a full-back. He, he's, he's a fantastic I, no, I disagree with that. Teo com- I, I don't think... Teo, Teo is definitely a wing-back. He played there, played no. there for France in the World Cup. He's definitely a wing-back. Calabria... No. He's a, and he always so plays sure. in a back I'm, four. He played for France in a black four too. They didn't play a back three with France in the World Cup. They play well, with they a back started, four. They started well, no, what they did is what in, what Inter did when they had uh, Maicon as well. They had they had a back four that inverted to a back three, similar to Italy do with Spinazzola. Yeah, no, but, France, but it's still France a different, it's still a different, no, it's still a different, France. yeah, I know, but he's not France done so very well. Up, up until the World Cup, they played that for like two years. They won the Yeah, but he, didn't barely, he barely started for France then. He only started because his brother got injured. My point uh, is simply that he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not the natural wing back. Maybe you can turn him into one but then you go on the other side and you're thinking well what Calabria's a wing back now I mean no, no, no Calabria no, no. no, Te- no. Teo definitely no. is I just think mm. he's in terrible form I think he's just in terrible form he looks cooked yeah. from the world they don't have they don't know it's not just about the wing backs it's just also that you don't he doesn't have the midfield who can play that they don't know what they're doing and Tonali who I I've never seen him this poor 
I have never seen him this. He looks more like a question mark and confused than he did in his first year at at Milan when he when he was just didn't know what he was doing. It's 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 but genuinely. Let's be honest, it's everyone though, isn't it? Can you name a single Milan player? No, every isn't, single one. That isn't just not out. Of, isn't just out of form, but is actually. Mm. I think horribly, I think it's um, I think it's no they all are and and everyone is but but the thing is with Milan is that I honestly think that Milan I think the future of this Milan is a four three three I I honestly think now that with Gattuso being there as an option because top four would be a disaster if they fell out I think as a caretaker coach I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in Gattuso and uh, if you know if it really got desperate. Um, and then next season, I, I, if I know Ricky Masara properly, I think they will go for Sarri because the Sarri that we've seen at Lazio that plays this 4-3-3 with, you know, this kind of false nine, Milan have the players to do that, um, without investing too much. And I think that that's the, that's the natural progression from what Pioli did. But I think he is, I would say that the alarm bells are really going off now. I really think he could get the sack now soon. Because there's one thing to lose. There's one thing to try to do something. But something, show me some sort of like a sign of life. There was yes. nothing, nothing at Milan right now. Well, and that is genuinely worrying. Because the top four now is, okay, they're still in the race. But it's, it's you know, it's, it's, uh, they risk... They risk the top four now. We have to yeah. be honest now. They're down in sixth place. Yeah. Uh, okay, they're only one point out of the top four because yeah. uh, Lazio only drew on on Monday. Um, but um, you know they 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 they've got some tough games ahead. They've got Torino coming mm, up. Torino. Torino is starting to do a little bit better now, uh, and they've got Atalanta this Finally. month, which is obviously a huge game for top four. And then obviously they've got the Champions League <coughs> against Tottenham, which uh, as it stands, well, uh, it's going to be a comfortable victory for, for Tottenham. Uh, I don't see like Milan. There's any other way that we can see that game going. Um, so, you know, it's it's going to, the morale is going to go down even more. Um, so, I mean, they have to make a decision. You, they've gone, they're in their worst run for five years. They've lost five yeah. games in a row. Uh, mm. You know they have to make a decision. What do they? They can't. What they? How many games does it? Will it yeah. take for Milan to make a decision? Do they have to go six six defeats in a row? Seven in a row? Mm. Eight? No, I, I think know? that if do you know unless what I, mean? I think this this coming weekend will be. I think the Torino game will be a bit. I, I'd be very surprised if he if he were to lose that horribly and they look dreadful. They can survive a draw. But they can't survive another defeat. I, re- I really think that that is that will be the time where they sit down and say, "Okay, has he? Well, what do we do here?" Because they can't afford to not be in the Champions League next year. They just can't. No, they can't. They can't because the the the, the money. Well, then goodbye, Leao. I mean, they can't. They're, they're struggling. I mean, that's what well, that I really want. Yeah, that brings that, us on that, nicely. Yeah, brings us on nicely to Leao because I want yeah. to discuss. Yeah, I want to discuss yeah. Leao. Um, I mean, the thing is, like, I, I saw a report on that because saying that actually Milan have put the brakes on talks there a little bit because they need they they, they can't afford to extend his contract um when t- top 4 is is at a risk um and and Gazetta said that and then they reported today I think that um it's it's looking more far away than ever before and his body language as well he does not look like he's interested um he really doesn't look yeah. like he's I interested think he I think like that's absolutely key his body language in the last not just the last two games in which he started as a sub, but even predating that, the last month, 2023, his, his body mm. language in 2023, 
uh, has been horrible. It, it, it is the body language of someone who is not happy, who mm. just can't be bothered. Um, yeah, he looks like that can't be care. bothered. Doesn't care. Can't be anymore. bothered. Yeah, can't He's totally be bothered. indifferent. Indifferent. Not yeah. even. Not even anger. No, because when you show anger, you're, you're, it shows that you care. It shows yeah. that you care. When you yeah. when you're angry, it shows that you you know you want to win or you're you know you're you're reacting to to, to something. You know, uh, it's like uh, do you know what I mean? It's it's like going to all relationships. It's like a a, a a couple together. You know, if one if one if one of the two gets angry at the other, it shows that they care. If they're just don't say anything and they're completely indifferent. It's still, they don't really give a shit. <laughs> do, you yeah. know, do you know what I mean? No, so exactly. I yeah. think this is, this is the way I look at this relationship between Liao and Milan. It's just that he's, he, it's, he just doesn't seem to care anymore. Uh, and I just think that right now, um, I, I, it doesn't look good at all for so many different reasons in terms of the chances of him renewing. No. Number one, He's been dropped, so he's not going to be happy about that. He's been dropped for the last two games. He doesn't start the Milan derby, the biggest game of the season for, for his club. Um, doesn't start that game. That 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 can't be good. That that's not going to improve the chances of you signing a new contract. Uh, number two, you look at Milan, how badly they're doing, how badly they're performing. Uh, the fact that they might not even qualify for the top four as it stands, mm. as you're as you're negotiating the contract, yeah. but also. You look at the work they've done in the transfer market. They win the Scudetto last summer and then uh, last season, and then in the summer they just buy youngsters, basically. Which we know the reasons for that. But to late to Liao, if you're a player, you know that's building up to become one of the best players or plans to be one of the best players in the world. You look at that, and already you're thinking, "Hmm, is this the club? Am I at the right club?" Then you see the lack of business in January at a time when they mm. clearly, and I said it, and I still believe they made a mistake. They needed to bring someone in in January to give them a jolt. They didn't do it, so he looks at that and sees they don't, don't buy anyone in January either. Um, and also, he just looks at the overall state of Italian football right now. That the, the financially, mm. how not just yeah. Milan, but everyone, everyone. Just doesn't doesn't have Literally any money. Everyone. They've become a feeder They're league. All broke. Like we, we've discussed. All the scandals that are going on, Juventus, but yeah. also other clubs, Milan, Milan as well are being investigated. Other clubs as well. You know, it's it's you know he look probably looks at the whole thing and you think to yourself, would you sign? Well, Milan aren't being Milan aren't being investigated. That's not entirely true. What's happening is that the the owners, the sale of Milan is being investigated. So it's not Milan being yeah. investigated. I think it's important. Yeah, but that if we you're Liao, that. if you're Liao, would you would, what you know? Your would you sign a new contract when you've got mm. when you know? That you mm. you you can get a, an offer from from the Premier League or from well for, let's just say the Premier League or, or another what a major superpower Real Madrid uh, or, or whatever or PSG or Madrid mm. where they they will double your wages at least right they'll be able to pay off that that uh, uh, outstanding debt that you owe to sport in Lisbon but also not just from a financial point of view but from from a sporting point of view you can actually join a club that. Um, you know, can challenge for major trophies. Uh, not just in Europe, obviously the Champions League, we know Italian teams can't challenge for that, like Milan, but also domestically, like Milan are in a position where they're, they're, they're way off even to, even challenging uh, domestically no, <laughs> in Serie A, not, let alone They're not, they're not going to win anything this season. They're not going to no. win a trophy. All the chances to trophies are gone. They're out of the Coppa. They lost the Supercoppa. They're not going to win the Champions League. They're not going to win the Serie A. So it's, it, they're not going to win anything this season. Um, and he looks how long he's been there, and he sees okay, we won the Serie A, but that was uh, we we they weren't able, they weren't in a position to be able to dominate from that and and to build a winning cycle. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So of course he's looking at. So, that I mean, he's. he's I mean, not. if I'm Liao, I'm looking at my future and I'm thinking, right, my contract mm. runs out in 2024. I'm 20. Is he, was he 23 years old? Or is he 24 yeah. now? So you're looking at you and you're thinking, right, what am I going to? What Where am I, I making? Here What's for? my next step? Well, I can stay at Milan at a club that's doing terrible, at a club that's not got any money to invest, at a club that, you know, or I can join a club where I can fulfil my sporting uh, ambitions and also mm. earn double the money. I mean, it's a no-brainer, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Let's be well, let's be honest. We're Italian fans. Yeah. I want you know everybody knows me. Of course, I, me I, as well. I, I, I want the Italia to keep its place. Well, we both. I mean, the thing is, like, it's it's but like we, we both want the league to do well. But at the <laughs> yeah. end of the day, there's no why would why would anyone? I mean, I'm sorry, but that's just same with Scrinia. It's the same. Scrinia is in a similar similar. was a different situation because that was Inter screwed that up and Inter screwed it up. Yes, but yeah, because he wanted to stay. I mean, they no, but the decision was made. The Inter screwed that up because they told the player with 12 months left on his contract that they wanted to sell him and then when they couldn't get what they wanted because they wanted 80 million euros for a central defender with less than 12 months left on his contract and PSG said we're not paying that because Leonardo is no longer there because they have an adult running the ship now instead of a child who plays FIFA so they did, he, they didn't pay for it and so instead they went back to Skriniar and by then Skriniar already be, was allowed to talk with PSG so he knew what he could make and had an yeah. actual offer so Inter completely fucked that up part of my the point I'm making is though that we're gonna, you're going to get these big name players like Skriniar like mm. uh, Rafael Liao and these likes yeah. where they're going to have decisions to make on whether yeah. to sign the new contract where they can earn a fraction of the money that they that they could for yeah. team abroad, but not only from the financial point of view, but also they have a sporting decision to make where they can stay at their current club and know that there is no sporting project at that club. And that's yeah. the same at Milan. It's the same at Inter. It's the same at Juventus. It's the same at all the big three clubs. They know that there is no future at these clubs in terms of the club just don't have the money uh, or the sporting project to be able to build mm. and for them to fulfil their ambitions at the club. Well, the only one who really has that is is Napoli right now, and and yeah. there's or 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 even or Roma. They're the only ones, and Lazio. Like those, are the only ones who have a serious sporting project that w- w- in different sizes. But Napoli is is the one that looks the most the most in um, the the one that has the best position to actually start a winning cycle. Uh, to be honest, because regardless of how you feel about De La Rentis, he's always turned a profit except for the COVID years. They're in a very stable position. And with Osiman looking like he's doing, you know, I mean, <laughs> he, uh, yeah. even if they Let's weren't... Let's move on to uh, Napoli then. They win yeah. again. They win mm. again. Comfortable win. And Osiman um, scores twice. <laughs> yeah, Osiman scores twice again. Um, I thought actually the first half, they were actually pretty poor, Napoli. Mm. They weren't yeah. good at all in the first half. But then they, they, they took over in the second half. Uh, you know, a little bit fortunate. I mean, it was a penalty, but a little bit fortunate with how the penalty came with the handball from Rekha. If you actually look at it, it took mm. the most awful bounce. I mean, the terrible pitch um, and it kind of the weirdest bounce ever. Yeah. I mean, he, it, can't, it was unlucky. Rekha was a bit unlucky, but yeah, yeah. it was a penalty. Uh, but then from then on, once they scored that, I'm, I'm glad that Karatskalia scored the pen, took the penalty, by the way. Uh, yeah. Because because we've been crying out about how Napoli keep changing their penalty takers. They've got a terrible record from penalties. Uh, you know, and he buried it. He put it right in the top corner. Uh, I think Clara should be the penalty he taker. Be the penalty taker now, yeah. Yeah, I've been saying that for quite some so, time. So yeah, Clara, and then Ossiman, of course. You know, another two goals, and um, his his headed goal. Uh, I've just seen today. They've measured it that he actually leapt to a height higher than Cristiano, than Cristiano. Ronaldo did when he yeah. scored that famous header against Sampdoria. Sampdoria, yeah. yeah, the air Cristiano air Ronaldo thing. Yeah. yeah. 
No, so he's... Ossiman, uh, yeah, Ossiman's on fire. 16 goals and 16 starts in Serie A and only Haaland has a better average and more non-penalty goals in Europe's big five leagues um, this season. And, and you know, that brings me on to the, to, 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 to ask, you know, Victor Ossiman, is he actually more complete than Haaland? You know? I think he's more technical player, but I think um, Haaland is much more, is stronger, is physically much stronger, is quicker. Uh, and is a more more physical presence than than Ossiman is, but I do think Ossiman has better technique, and I think Holland is better in the air. But mm. I mean, we're talking. I think. I mean, I I know. think I think Holland's a better player than Ossiman. I'm not. You know, I'm not saying Ossiman's a better player than Holland, but I think that Ossiman is a more complete player than than Holland. Mm. I, I, I can see why you would say that because yeah, I look at Ossiman, and really, you can't pick. Literally, cannot pick out a weakness in Ossiman's game. Mm. No, not weakness because really he has areas that he can improve, of course. Yeah, but, exactly. But, but it's but not he's weakness. Got no. He does. No. Ha- he has the capacity to do everything. Well, I mean, I've been saying for two, three years. I think he's the best number nine and the most com- complete uh, player is number nine in Serie A. We both have. So, you know, it's 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 because of these things. We saw these things. We saw the talent that he has. He's a very young player, and now he's finally showing what he can do when he's got players that suit him really well, like like that midfield they have, like Hvica Kvaratskhelia, who's been. An absolute revelation. What a find. What a fantastic find he's been. Um, but I mean, to, 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 I mean, there's no doubt that they're going to win the Serie A. The 13 points clear at this point. It's never happened before that anyone lost it. Um, it's, 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 it's impossible. You look at the games they got coming up as well and against Spezia, you saw, you know, they got the Champions League. I think they're going to start rotating. Uh-oh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I hope they're going to win that. I know they went out to them. The yeah, cup. but uh, yeah, they got kind of screwed by the referee, if we're perfectly honest, in that Coppa Italia game as well, even though they, and they made 10 changes to the lineup. Look, it's, um, I think it's uh, it's quite obvious that uh, the, I think they're going to win that, even if they draw, even if they lose. doesn't matter. 10 points clear. Like, this is one point. Like, it, they have built such a huge margin. They've built such a huge lead. They can afford to lose four games and still be one point clear. And they're not going to lose be, four it games. It will be the biggest choke job we've ever seen. I in history. Think. It will be the biggest choke job in, in, in league history if if Napoli don't manage to win the Serie A title this season. Let's be honest. It, yeah. And, and I, I don't with, see with, that when happening. They've got, when they've got Quara and Ossiman, if those two stay fit, it's very, very difficult because they're just... And not just that, together. but then they throw in Cholito who comes in and scores every 63 minutes. I mean, it's just... It's, it's just they, they are... Look, they're those two up front, I mean, they are... They are the most complete... They are the attackers. most complete... They are the most complete team in the Serie A, Napoli, this season. They have the best depth, they have the best height. The, 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 the table doesn't lie. When you're at this point, when you play like this and you week in, week out, just score more, score goals for fun. I mean, when every time we've done a statistical division or analysis of it, Napoli dominate every single attacking one. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. it's not it's not by chance when that the happens. The underlying metrics, yeah. The underlying metrics, they just show what it is. They are the best team in the Serie A and it's not even close. And they have the best number nine. They have um, they have a re- very good defence. Um, a very good defence. Here's uh, a question have... for you. Here's a question for you. See, at the at the start, I think everyone was saying because Ossiman was was injured for a while uh, at the start. Um, that you know, Kvaratskhelia. No, there's no doubt about it. He's the best player in in Serie mm. A this season. Blah blah blah. But now, who is the best player in Serie? A? Who has been the best player in Serie A this mm. season? Is it Kvara? There's it Ossiman? quite a bit of shouts I, for that. I feel I feel that come the end of the season, if Napoli. Do what we expect and win the, the Scudetto. It will that be Osiman. It's going to be one hell of a battle between those two as to who actually gets the. the I think it's going to be Osiman. I think Osiman is getting it because he's also going to be top goal scorer. 
So for me, and because of the fact that he's going to be top goal scorer and he doesn't take penalties. So for me, it's a no-brainer. It's going to go to Ossiman. But and, and also given his role in this Napoli and so on and so forth. So no, I, I think it's going to be Ossiman uh, when, mm. when they win it, for sure. But I do think there's an, it's an interesting debate to be had because you could you could also argue Anguissa, Lobotka, Zelinski, you can argue Kim Min Jae, you can argue Kvara. I mean, there's so many people you can argue. Juan Jesus, yeah, everyone. <laughs> no, it's not Juan <laughs> Jesus. He has nothing to do. I mean, to, yeah, I mean, look, and the funny thing is, I think Ustigor doesn't even play that much, and, and that's a player I really rate. Uh, no, it's Napoli are building something interesting, and you know that what's really positive from a Napoli perspective, and also for Italian football as a whole, is the fact that Aurelio De Laurentiis will not sell his players unless he gets paid what he wants, and it doesn't matter who it is, and everybody knows that, and Osimhen knows that. So this summer, unless somebody pays him the hundred and ten or hundred and fifteen or hundred million pounds, however much he's decided that he wants, Osimhen isn't going anywhere. And what you also know is that Juntoli uh, and the organization that they've built at Napoli, they've already got replacements lined up if that happens um, whoever that will be we don't know but we know that their scouting is second to none and we know that they I mean they they have deserved us giving us the giving us giving them the benefit of the doubt they really deserve it yeah okay let's move on to Roma uh, set piece Kings Roma uh, on mm, corners Mourinho. this season absolutely insane another 2-0 win another two goals off off corners um this time it was Ibanez and Tammy Abraham headers on Paolo Dybala's corners. Um, they were, those two goals came in the first six minutes, um, actually. Um, and there was no more goals after that. Um, that took um, the number of goals that, that Roma have scored this season for, for the Serie A. Seven goals from corner kicks um, yeah. this season. If you add that to two goals they've scored off free kicks... Um, that's indirect free kicks, you know, across the box, uh, and and also three penalties. So forty three percent of their Serie A goals this season—that's insane—have come from offset plays, um, which is which is absolutely mental. Um, and it just shows what what well we we both said, didn't we? We said a couple of weeks ago after the Milan game that, that Roma are the best set piece team in, in Serie A, and even in the Napoli game, they they gave Napoli. Asked Napoli so many questions from set pieces and from corners, and they look so dangerous, you know, through that throughout that game. That you know, Roma, you know, they really, they they really are becoming a really difficult team to play because even when they don't play well, like in the Milan game, if they get corners, if they get a chance to put balls into the box, they've got so many giants in their team that they're going to cause trouble. And you know, they're they're yeah, they're looking, they're in the top four now. They're looking. No, I, th- I, th- I think they're going to finish in the top four. Uh, as I said all along, I think they're a shoe in. I think Mourinho will micromanage the shit out of this, uh, and he's doing it by by these uh, set pieces and all that. He is he is focusing on getting them back into the top four because that would be quite the accomplishment. Let's remember, you know, regardless of what you know, take aside what the Juve shit show um, to bring Roma back into the Champions League in the second year. Uh, winning a trophy the first year, um, that is. This is really turning out to be a success here now in Roma, and he's becoming untouchable for the first time, really, since he was at Inter in 2010. Uh, in the sense that every war he picks, every battle he picks, he wins, and he wins by knockout punches. Whether it's uh, the kid Afenajan to 
the um, Karsdorp to now Zaniolo. There is only one emperor of Rome, and Jose be thy name. He wins every single battle he goes to, and he has the entire backing of the club and the fans too. And so he knows what he's doing. He's, I'm not, you know, I don't ever think that we'll, you know, I don't ever think that we're going to see a Mourinho like we did in the early part of his career when he just was a trophy hoarder. But this is what I meant when I kept telling you a few years ago that I don't think he's finished at this level. I think that he still has something to give. He will never win trophies at that level again. I do think he has one or two major trophies in him, uh, you know, two, three, whatever. But I don't, but so, so, now he's rebuilding that. And I think he's got his eyes on that Real Madrid job. I think he's his entire thing now is to show that he can do at Roma, end it well, get him into the top four, that he can handle crises, that he can work with these players. And if Carlo Ancelotti were to be sacked, I think he will, you know, I, th- I think that's the job he's going for. I really do. Yeah, well, Ancelotti is uh, definitely at risk the way that Madrid are playing at the moment. Mm. Um, yeah, let, let's move on to Zaniolo, though. Um, it looks like, well, it is. He's on his way to join uh, Galatasaray uh, in uh, in Turkey. Um, 22 million euros, um, of which 15% of which Roma won't even get because it'll go to Inter. Mm, uh, he God. does have a 35 million clause included in that contract. Um which allows Serie A teams or any teams to, to sign him um, starting from this summer. Um, so, I mean, like, the way I look at this deal is, number one, it's, it's bad for Roma um, because they're only getting £22 million and they're getting Minus 15%. Minus 15%. So that, that's way short on, on what they were aiming for. They were asking for 35 40 million, But actually, if you go back, you know, the start of last summer... And, you know, they were looking for 50, 60 million, uh, you know, and so that, I mean, his price has plummeted and that's a, a symptom of, of everything that's been going on with Saniolo in his career. Uh, and also back Rome, I don't think handled it particularly well themselves either. Um, but, um, but also, uh, more importantly, what I wanted to say for Zaniolo to be joining Galatasaray and, and you know, this, this isn't meant as any disrespect to, to Turkey, to Turkish league. It really, it, it is, it just shows it's sad. It's sad to see Zaniolo's career come to this at 23 years old um, to be joining Galatasaray. I don't. It's, sad. it's very, very. Sad. I don't. I I don't think it is sad. I think it's well. It is. It's sad, but it was kind of inevitable after those two injuries and that he was unable to come back. And then last season he had a full injury-free season and he just didn't look like he had what it took to play at that level in the Serie A. Um, we'll see what happens in Galatasaray. Maybe he can kickstart his career because like someone like, for example, Mauro Icardi is doing really well there. Um, if you actually watch Icardi play now, he's doing things that he never did at Inter. He's doing link-up plays, building up his movement. His movement. He's trying to do things. Um, Mertens, I think, what is he, what is he scored now? He scored six goals in 22 games already. So I think he's going to get more... more more room 
he, he's he, and time on the ball. Um, he's going to be playing with players who know the Serie A and, and can help him off the pitch. <clears throat> I mean, you know, Sergio Oliveira, Lucas Torreira, Fernando Muslera, Cardi yeah, I, I, I don't doubt that he'll do well in the Turkish league, but it's, mm. it's the Turkish league. <laughs> it's, it's a poor quality, very poor quality league. Yeah, uh, but I think it was inevitable after those two injuries, to be honest with you. I, you know, I'm sorry, but at that point... Maybe it was inevitable, career, but, you know, he's, he's managed himself and whoever is, adv- is advising him, he's been managed so badly that it's come to this. And that includes, yeah. you know, the way he's behaved with Roma. You know, he, he'd have been much better off just staying at Roma till the end of the season and then joining someone properly in the summer. Rather well, than, that's not possible after than, Mourinho did what he did. And after, I mean, the fans came and threatened his life and he had to move back to his pa- parents in Liguria. Yeah, but I who mean, started that in the, the first place? It was Zaniolo that started it. He, he started it in the first place. You know, OK, he got a few boos, but you're going to get boos if you're playing badly. You know, he, 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 you know, he started this, the, the chain of events that led to, yes, it wasn't handled well by Roma either. But it was, and, and initially, it was Zaniolo that started the process. And he's been... You know, he put in a transfer request and, and everything. And, you know, it's... it's he put in a transfer request, good, but then he declined. Good, this is not a good but, pathway for, for Zaniola. No, it's we not. But, I think, but I, think he, I think it's kind of expected. But who knows? I mean, if he goes to Turkey and he actually... Well, it sounds like you're writing off his career then, pretty much, aren't I you? am. Well, I am. Yeah. I, I have been for a long time, and 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 it's not. I don't think he will ever. I think the only way that he comes back is if he goes to Turkey and they start winning titles there, and he can build his physique up again and and start to get his confidence and enjoy his football back. And then somehow, if somebody were to, you know, if they if Galatasaray were to play in the Champions League again and he were to perform there, then maybe one uh, top side in, in in Italy would would be interested in signing him. Uh, that's the only way, but I just don't think. Unfortunately, I think it's a shame because I think him. You know, again, had he had he not had those two injuries, I think we would be talking about a completely different career trajectory, and we'd be talking about it as Aniolo, who'd be playing at a much bigger club than Roma, with all due respect, um, yeah. and far bigger than Galatasaray. He's, that's been, for he's sure. been managed badly, and I actually and I include Roberto Mancini and I include Roma in that. In, in, in the handling of his return from his first ACL injury, when he was rushed back straight away, he comes straight back from injury, straight off the training field, playing full 90 minutes, twice, three times a week. Mancini even called him up a month later after his return, put him in the Italy mm. squad, he even played him in those in those uh, World Cup qualifiers, the one when they, they drew, he came off the bench, didn't he? Mm. Do you remember they drew, was it against Bulgaria? Um, you know, and then, yeah, I remember. And then, mm. and then you know, it, it, was, it was so badly managed by both Roma and by... Like Italy, they have to take a hell of a lot of the blame for for, for, mm. for the injury side of things. From mm. the from the from the whole, just his old attitude and personality. Of course, that's on Zaniolo, and that's why. And I said it last week. You know, he, he has become the new Mario Balotelli. Um, I don't know if he's. You know, if I would go that far because, but but I do think that it's. I don't think the Balotelli. I get why you're making that comparison, but I wouldn't go that far because I think Balotelli was different. He never had those injuries, um, and 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 Zaniolo. Yeah, but in, term, in terms of his professionalism, lack of professionalism. Yeah. But I think it's conditioned by that and everything. Yeah, I, I get that. The way he can't, and, handle, and, he can't handle yeah. he can't handle criticism either. You know, that is a mm. sign of a big players, top players, have to be able to handle criticism or, or just not give a shit about criticism. Yeah, move cares on, what not some, care. some unknown person you don't even know criticizes you or boos you. you know, who cares? Okay, it's not yeah. nice. I'm not saying it's nice. The negative energy is is real. Energy is real. You've got all that mm. negativity and people booing you. You feel that, and it and it and it mm. you know it can it does have an effect on you. But from a from a point of view of how you react to it, you've got to just 
you just got to, you know, don't let it get you down, you know, and don't let it mm. affect you. And, it, and he can't, he can't handle it, you know, and that yeah. is, um, you know, I think that is, that is a, something that Balotelli could never handle. He couldn't handle criticism. Well, it's also because they're very, very young and they get become very, very young. I remember Mourinho back then during the Balotelli era said that, you know, back in the day when they were young, they weren't millionaires. Now they're millionaires before they've even done anything. And so you're essentially dealing with someone who's really young, uh, rich as hell, and thinks he's, you know, and, and you've got absolutely no control over them. Um, and I think with with Zaniolo, I think it's also one of, you know, he, uh, you know, Rome, Rome, Rome is a special city and Rome is a special club. And the next crisis is only ever around the corner at Roma. And with all the, you know, the Roman radio stations and, and everything that goes on. And if he goes out on a night and meets a girl and then, then it's going to be spread everywhere. And they're all going to like, he it's, it's Rome. I'm sorry, but it's Rome. It's like that. And, and it's always mm-hmm. going to be like that. And, and he didn't handle that at all well. And I don't think he had the club managed to protect him from that either no that well, Rome has never been good at that has it but then it also no I guess he's also unlucky that he hasn't had the, the people around him like I well said, badly, the thing is like badly, you'd, you'd expect someone like Pellegrini and, and, and Totti and these guys who are Roman to, to kind of take him under the wing but they've not really in Roma you know Totti's no, not got nothing to do with the club anymore and and Pellegrini isn't really doesn't yeah. seem like he's wanted just, to just either. Just his management. Right? Who's his management? Who are the people yeah. that are advising him and protecting him? Yeah. Just, just and the drama with Zakani and the ex-girlfriend. Well. You know, yeah, and the drama with Zakani's ex-girlfriend, like his ex-girlfriend yeah. and the baby and all that. Like it just became this kind of. Well, that's the problem, moment. isn't it? When you've got you know when you're you, you come from a I don't want to say a bad family. It's a horrible thing to say, mm. but when you come from a, when you when you have a family around you that are not able or you're just not you mean trash blind. trailer trash it's okay to say call <laughs> them that it. you said it yeah okay um, yeah. you know <laughs> like guests on the jerry springer show if they spoke italian yeah yeah um yeah no i know what you mean but yeah it's it's it, look it is what it is it's a shame thing i think he would have been able in a, been in a much better position to be protected if he hadn't had those injuries and he had had fantastic seasons and we'd be talking about a player who roma would have probably cashed in on 100 million for and sold sold somewhere else but unfortunately, mm-hmm. I don't think he will ever get there. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he can go to Turkey and re, re you know rebuild himself and, and maybe come back and, and and become a part of the Italian national setup. Because I think in terms of talent goes, he's he really was the kind of generational player that we've never really seen, and and the kind no. of Italian midfielder that we haven't. I've never. I can't remember another midfielder who was no, like. They don't generally produce these kind no. of like. And it's Chiesa a shame. Chiesa and Zaniolo, two players that kind of break the mold of yeah. Italian players that just yeah. you know had that incredible pace yeah. and dribbling and the ability power to beat power. power as well yes that kind of that that kind of power that you associate more with the the, the, the germans or north europeans yeah. or you know drive together, I know what you but mean, together yeah. with the skill and the the, the creativity yeah. and the imagination that you, you yeah. associate with the, the, the latinos and the, and the you know the yeah. italians you know he, he had, yeah, they no. had both and and you know Italy doesn't generally produce players no. that have all of those things. And Chiesa and Zaniola are the two, probably the two kind of two of the exceptions really, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I just hope that Chiesa can, 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 that they, I don't think, I mean, you've are too smart to, to do that, but. I well, just, you are handling his, his return better in terms of much better, the amount of time. Much, much given better. Him. You know, and that's. Oh, the they are, they are just taking it so slow and calm with him. I'm thankful for Allegri being 
a cautious yeah. bastard for because you know <laughs> no but actually, it's it's the right thing to do no, is, and i think Mourinho is, the, the reason why Mourinho was so good for him last season is that he's the same way but the problem is that Zaniolo could never repay that despite scoring in the conference league final and winning them the trophy and blah 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 there was not that step up if you know what i mean yeah no, for sure. Um, Atalanta, just just quickly, they slip up to Sassuolo. Um, the only thing I want to say about this game, they lost one nil. Is I thought that they got absolutely screwed with the Mela red card. Well, that was that was absolute disgrace. That red card. Um, to be honest, to be truthful, Sassuolo were already dominant. Were already the be- much better team at that time. So I'm not saying that Sassuolo wouldn't have gone on to win the game. They've they've hit form now. Obviously, they beat Milan. They were excellent again before the red card and after it, and they fully deserved the win. And Loriente and Berardi, great goal from Loriente. Berardi, those two, are, are, I love watching them play, play both of them. Um, they're starting to show what they starting to get results that they should be getting with the players <laughs> that they've got in their team. But from Atalanta's point of view, um, I would be absolutely up in arms um, getting a red card like that for, for Mela. It was... It was just an example, really, of when a referee doesn't understand football, probably hasn't played the game, um, because that kind of, well, whoever made the decision, was it the VAR or was it the referee? I can't, I can't remember. But that foul would would never hurt a player bad, seriously. Never. Mm. No, um, look, I, I think, again, it's it's this interpretation of, you know, dangerous... You know, gioco scoretto, as they say in Italy, and, and I think they decided that it kind of was... Um, and it's one of those ones where when you watch it in slow motion you see the studs up you see the studs up and making contact with with uh, the opponent uh, and it looks like oh that's a dangerous foul because you know you've got your studs up and you're putting it it's you know it was higher than the ankle so it looks do you know what I mean it looks in slow motion like a really dangerous foul like oh my gosh you know you're going with studs up you could that's a you could break someone's leg you know if you see it in slow motion actually when you watch it in usual pace I mean it's just you know, anybody that's kind of played the game knows that that just, that doesn't do, there's just never, in, that's never going to do a serious injury. The, 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 the force and the, the connection with the player just isn't going to do a serious injury. So it shouldn't be, you know, it just, it's just not a red card. Um, but, you know, it was, uh, that, that ended the game really. Uh, and, um, you know, which is a shame for, for, for Atalanta. Um, the other thing I would say, Zapata and Muriel, oh my God, they are so finished. <laughs> they really are so, so finished. And it's so strange because usually Atalanta cash in on these players long before they this happens. They don't make a mistake, yeah. They no, don't no. wait and, too and long. Think, yeah. No, they don't. And I think it's like, hmm, I wonder if they, what they've done here, yeah. how, how they handle this. Both I of really, them as well. You'd have thought yeah. at least one of them they would have got rid of, yeah. wouldn't they? Yeah. yeah. Very strange. Yeah. Very strange. strange. Okay. Right. That's... that's um, that no, hang on. Just before we talk, just before we talk about Man City, um, just the rest of the weekend match calendar. So we had, and we we, we also need to pick up Badger and Prem face of the week. So if you haven't mm. thought of that, Nimus, just think while I read out these <laughs> results. Um, Bitlastminute.com today. Um, so rest of the weekend match calendar. So we have got Cremonese nil, uh, Lecce two. Uh, looks like Cremonese. Well, they still haven't got a win, have they? <laughs> All no. season, still no win. Um, then we had Torino beating Udinese 1-0. Torino are starting to pick up now. Um, they they still don't score many goals, but they they are, as you say, a pain in the butt. And I'm sure they will be for Milan this season. Fiorentina shot defeat to Bologna at home, 2-1. And what the hell happened there? 
Uh, Verona, Vincenzo Italiano night. happened. That's what happened. Vincenzo yeah. Italiano happened. Yeah. I mean, it's, oh my God, this, this deserves Vincenzo Italiano. No, I don't. No, what I what, more than I hate. No, you know, no, no, you know what? I don't hate them. I hate this ridiculous hipster bullshit hype yes. around them. That's what I can't stand. I actually like Italian young. I think I think what Italiano did at Spezia was nothing short of a miracle. I think that is an absolutely fantastic demonstration of what a young coach can do in with with barely anything to do it in. I think it was absolutely fantastic. But this notion that there, he's automatically turned into this kind of the second coming of Christ and oh let's all play like Guardiola. Guardiola knows how to defend. Okay, these two do not know how to mm. defend. And if you bring them to a big club before they're ready and they've developed their, and had their coaching careers, both of them, both De Zerbi and Italiano, you will have burnt them both out. Similar to what Chelsea have done to Graham Potter now, who is a coach I actually really rate. I saw what he did in Sweden. I really liked it. I thought he could have been a great coach. I think, but unfortunately, he went to Chelsea and they are a coach killer. And, and what an Inter used to be that as well. So a lot of clubs are coach killers. And, and that's this notion that I'm scared that the Zerbi and Italiano are going to end up somewhere. They won't be able to handle it. And then goodbye careers. That's okay. the point. Okay, right. So let's move to Badjo and Prem Face of the Week. Okay, Badjo, who we got? Um... I, I, for me, it's got uh, the, 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 the Milan derby. I mean, everything around it, the, the sound wave, like the level of noise, the banners, the, the TIFOs, the, the, the everything around it is just, it's, it's, it's it, it, every single time I go there, you know, this was like, I think this was, this was my seventh derby. This was my, I think, like 13th, 12th, 13th game at the San Siro. Every single time, an evening game at the San Siro, just, a derby game just blows me away. Every single, everything around it, the way the city lives up for it, the way, just just the theatre of it is just, it has to be, it's just Italian football at its absolute best. Yeah. Yeah, well, I can't go against that. You were there, um, and it mm. certainly is the the. Account. And we've got to give a shout out to Ossiman for for hitting that fan in the by mistake during training before the game, and then going oh, yeah, up and beautiful. giving her an hug. Yeah. That was really lovely as well. I thought that was beautiful by um, by that by by him to do that, and the way that the fans let him in, and oh, it was it was really nice to see. Mm. Okay, right, uh, Prem face of the week, and we have to include Samuel Ventress. <laughs> Uh, King Leo on Twitter. He's a patron well, of ours, and he sends us brilliant ones, prem faces every he single. He sends week. us the best. And I think he we've sends only us used the one best. Of and we should yeah. do every week, really. Um, yeah, we he's really like our prem face hunter, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> like he, <does. laughs> he finds the best ones. Yeah. Oh, so what we days. got this week from him? We had a few. We've got Richard Keys basically. Oh Jimmy Greaves was Lionel Messi before Messi. <laughs> <laughs> and let me just preface that by saying that. Uh, Jimmy Greaves was an absolutely unreal player. He was amazing. He was. The best, he is the best striker that England have ever had. Uh, mm. Better than Harry Kane, let me tell you Without that. Without a doubt. Um, Without Harry a doubt. Kane has just overtaken him um, in the Tottenham, uh, breaking the Tottenham all-time goals record. Um, but, mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, again, why do they always have to compare? Why do they do, thank you. The, the, um, the, the comparisons are the ones that just literally, like... And they're completely different players as well. I mean, just... <laughs> yeah, Bruce was a goal scorer. I mean, okay, he was, he was a Messi's a number ten. Like he's a classic. Yeah. Like fun. Uh, 
It's always so cringy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Richard Keys and he's uh, he's had many Messi before Messi. <laughs> Messi the thing about Richard Keys is he 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 works in the Middle East for being sports. He's out there. Um and his shows are I mean, they're broadcast, you know, not to England, obviously. Um, <laughs> but he's but, bitter. But, but yeah, he's bitter. But he he if you ever watch his, his broadcasts, um he always presents as if he's presented to an English audience. Like, and that is, that is, that is uh, again, the hallmark of the Prem face. It's like your, your audience is always an English audience. It's, mm. uh, you know, even though in the Richard Keyes case, you're, you're out in the Middle East and you're not broadcasting to... My favourite part is his Twitter feed is basically just him talking about how he's always right. <laughs> That's literally every single... Yeah. Every single other tweet is needless to say, I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, let's remember he's incredibly bitter for what happened to him and and those you know leaks and you yeah. know what what happened because he got sacked, didn't he? Wasn't it Sky Sport he was on? I can't yeah, remember. Sex, sexism, yeah. Yeah, he yeah, said some really horrible around. things about female referees, which were caught on hot hot air. Yeah. Like it was lots of things, wasn't it? I remember. Who he was? Who's the other one? Room. Uh, yeah, was, uh, yes, that's the one. <laughs> yes, that's the comment. That's yeah. the comment. He asked, Women he asked, don't, he asked uh, his co-presenter female to, to um, tuck him in. <laughs> one, that's one, the one. one. Yeah, that was the one. And, and what, Andy Gray was the other one, right? Yeah, yeah, Andy Gray, that's who I was talking about, yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I thought you were talking about Richard Keyes, yeah. No, no, it was Andy Gray that asked the presenter to tuck, oh. tuck his belt in. To tuck his, oh, God. Tuck his, Jesus. Tuck him in. Yeah. Tuck him in, yeah. I remember I remember that hot mic thing, but it was many things and we um that, that he got done for, didn't he? That they was like repeatedly thing. And he and his Twitter feed is very, very funny because he's so angry about that that he's no longer allowed on English TV. Um and and in and his Twitter feed is just nonstop about him patting himself <laughs> on the back. <laughs> he's right on everything. Um and it's it's very, 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 very funny. Yeah. <laughs> It sure is. Okay, that's all we have time for today. We will be back this week. We'll be back on Thursday. Yeah. We're going to do our Q&A on Thursday yeah. um, this week. So it's going to be a combination, isn't it? Like yeah. the Q&A, and we're going to talk a little bit about Juve, and we've got lots of questions coming in because we didn't do it on Tuesday. So we're yeah. going to do – it's going to be a little different on yeah, Thursday. Yeah, we'll do a review of the Juventus game yeah, um, yeah. against Selenitana on Tuesday and- and then we'll, uh, and, then we'll, and we'll be talking about the all the uh, all the things we didn't have time to talk about it, uh, today, including the Manchester City financial scandal and and the latest on the uh, on the on the Uber case, which we've got questions about um, as well. So that's going to be on Patreon only. So make sure to check that out on patreoncom tifp for two ninety nine per month XVAT. Yeah, right. That's right. That's correct. Yeah, you always know that. I don't. <laughs> I love how you how you always say that as well. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know it. <laughs> and then you always go, "Shit, that was my cue, wasn't it?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. I'm right. not in it for the money. I'm just. Uh, <laughs> no, we're not. We're not. No, we're, we're both in it for the abuse. <laughs> right. No, we never. We never put our prices up. See, never. We haven't put our prices. No, we up never do that. Never Every gonna happen. Every year, we're like, should we put our prices up? And I'm like, no, nah, we're not putting nah, our prices screw up. Screw that. Because, not doing uh, that. Uh, no, 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 no. Inflation is killing us. But <laughs> 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 anyway, right. Let's leave it at that. Oh, dear. Uh, we'll be back. Yeah, Thursday. We'll be back Thursday. on Thursday. So we will see you then. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.